This is Business with Benefits, because there are so many things you get from business besides dollar signs. I'm on this journey with you, and I'm your host, Daryl Perry, aka the guy with the bow tie. You made it this far, so let's get into it. Hello, LinkedIn. It is the guy with the bow tie checking with you live for another edition of Business with Benefits. To my right, I have the wonderful Deethra Giles. She'll be talking with us about working from home, but obviously that's a big topic right now because <laughs> a lot of you normally wouldn't be able to watch us on LinkedIn because you were in the office or something. So we're hoping in your lunchtime we'll find some impact. Uh, shout out for Team Replay. If you're Team Live or Team Replay, please put the hashtag and let us know where you're at. That way we can kind of give you a shout out online. And Deethra, for the people that don't know you, you're a TED Talk phenomenon, speaker, consulting, kind of for those who don't know who you are, let them know why they should listen to you. So again, like you said, Dietra Giles here. I am what I call an HR savant in that I am a business person that does HR. So I talk about this stuff globally to country, to, to corporations and companies around the world. But I also got the pleasure of doing two TEDx talks. And one of them was specifically about how to help people manage their career like a business. And during this time, that is more important than ever. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And so with your role, you're doing the HR side for the most part. And I love that you say you're a business person that knows HR. So great time for people that don't know the difference. Because in my world, I'm dealing with benefits all the time. So I deal with HR people. But I can tell how many of them are, you know, business having have business acumen. So kind of share the difference in a HR person that does business versus the business person that does HR. So an HR person that does business walks into the door asking HR questions. How many people do we need to hire? Who needs a performance evaluation? How are mm-hmm. we handling leadership development? A business person that does HR walks in asking, how do I impact the bottom line? Because okay. the reality is you're not in that organization to hire people. You're in that organization to make sure that company can continue doing what it does to earn revenue and pay those people. And so the business person that does HR is focused on what everybody at the top is focused on. And that's the numbers. Okay. So I think that's important right now because we're going through a big change with HR. They usually use the people coming in their office asking about, you know, my benefits package or uh, changes in protocol and things like that. So what do you see as the big change happening right now since more people are working at home that's affecting HR? The big thing right now that I've been talking to a lot of my clients about is we have had this huge, especially around training and development, we've had this huge focus on leadership training, teaching people how to be leaders, look at the big strategic plan, but we Mm -hmm. have forgotten about management. And where people are failing right now is managing. And management comes from that, the old Latin word manis, which is hands, and getting stuff done, the tactical. And people don't know how to manage. And that's where they're really suffering right now in this work from home phase. Okay, so I'm a leader of a team. We're just going to play the scenario out. So now we have to work separately. You know, we can't be more than less than six feet apart from each other. So what are those skills that, you know, you mentioned in the post that, you know, working remotely is a skill, managing remotely is a skill. So for the people that are like, this is new for me, I've never done this before. What are a couple of those core skills they got to develop quickly to adapt to the situation? 
So I have my top three that I'm telling everyone to get on and get on quickly. Number one is a schedule. Okay. Um, we've been in the office and so our schedule is pretty much predicted for us. You come in eight o'clock, you leave at six o'clock. So between now and then, that's how much time I have to work. Now you have all day. And that the day sneaks up on you. So 24 hours goes by so quickly when you don't have a schedule. Mm-hmm. With t- the today's situation, it's not the normal work from home situation where most people fail initially anyway. It's combined with everything else. So I tell everybody right now, everybody, and I mean everybody and thing in your house needs to be on a schedule. You, your kids, the fur babies, mom and them, <laughs> has to be on a schedule. The second okay. is focus. We are we have we have our list of things to do. Like you and I were talking earlier, we find oh, while I'm home, I have all these things I can do. Focus, pick your one thing of maximum impact and do it. And number three, and this is most important, especially for those managers, modify, mm-hmm. don't eliminate. And so mm-hmm. it's easy to say we used to have a morning stand up or we used to have weekly one on ones. They're home, we don't have to worry about that. No. Do not eliminate them. Just simply modify them because you still need those check-ins for you and for the people you're managing because this is new to everybody. Perfect. And I want to check in with the audience real quick. We had Lindsay Renee said, hey, Deethra, giving you a shout out there. And then um, Carlotta Mendoza says she totally agrees with the schedules. So you think you did you three tips there. What do you think is the hardest one? Is it the schedule? Is it finding the most important thing or eliminate not or modify not eliminate? Um, I think the schedule one is probably the most difficult because we aren't used to doing it. We're kind of used to letting the work dictate itself once we go in because we're there for eight hours. So mm-hmm. I think the schedule is the most difficult one. But with the caveat, the modify not eliminate is the most counterintuitive because okay. we're used to, if I'm in the office, I see you, it's automatic. It's so easy not to have the meeting. It's so easy not to do the conference call. It's so easy to turn your video off and stay in your PJs and rollers and tap when they're in a conference call. It's easier. So it's counterintuitive to not eliminate. So that's kind of what makes it difficult also. Okay. And do you think these tips are harder for the employee or the manager? Because I, I, I don't want to be biased as leading people, but what do you think is the harder way? I think it's equal. Um, yeah. We have to realize that this is new for a lot of people because think about for many of you right now in the audience, you've been asking for this for years and they pretty much told you it was impossible. No, we cannot work from home. And you're like, it's kind of funny. We were able to do it like today. I've been asking for, for however many years. So mm-hmm. I think it's new is different for both parties equally. So this is the time for a lot of employees to shine and show up because I can help my manager navigate this and imagine mm-hmm. how you look as an employee when you were the one to help navigate these difficult situations. So what's the foundation? I mean, is the schedule seems to be the big piece of getting the foundation, but are there some tools that leaders and managers can kind of get to make this easier through this process? Because I, I imagine we all have digital calendars, we all have paper calendars and all that, but it, would you say there's a system or a tool that kind of helps get them off on a good start to make it easier? Yes, I would say, and here's the deal, it's so many of the tools that we've had, but we've only partially used. With mm-hmm. now- a great time to realize those functionalities of things that you've always had things like outlook things Mm -hmm. zoom or conference meetings like outlook you can share portions of your calendar without sharing your whole calendar the big thing was i don't need for them to see when i have a doctor's appointment (laughs) right 
You don't need to see my eyebrow appointment or my lash appointment. When mm-hmm. there are certain things that you can share, you can create a whole new calendar that's just the calendar for you and your boss or you and your employees. So it's the tools that we're already using, but at a minimal capacity. Bump them up. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we had a quick comment from Jeanette Winbush Davis. She said, hello, everyone. And um, so right now, HR people are probably scrambling, I think. Because, I mean, in my experience, HR is kind of cut away sometimes from the budget when there's times of need. They're cutting training, they're cutting HR because they're saying, well, you're not in your office, we don't need to use much. So for the people that are in the HR role, what should they be advocating for to kind of help keep their job going or to keep them busy? So right now, this is for HR and for everybody. At the end of this, there are going to be some major assessments from corporations, from organizations, because business as usual is we're not going back to the same. It's kind of like when you have a, a baby and you keep saying, I can't wait for my life to go back to normal. Then you realize there's normal, right? Normal as yep. you will never exist again. That's going to be what happens after this. And how we show up right now will be the difference in the assessment of are you a value piece or not? Mm-hmm time for HR to actually know, study, and understand the business. If you aren't already doing that, now's the time. I recommend getting you a book on accounting for non-accountants. Amazon is still delivering two-day prime. I tested it. It still works. But get those books and actually study up on business and start contributing from a business perspective. Start asking questions about, listen, how are we navigating this? How do we need to look at our bow tie guy? How do we look at benefits and assess how that will impact our bottom line when we come back? Do we need to get on the line with him and have a discussion? Start talking about things that are HR related, but mm-hmm. impact the, how this organization makes or saves money. I love that because that, that's something even I talk about in the insurance realm of teaching people that because that insurance is just a product. You have to impact the business somehow. And um, I know you've taught at KSU before. Uh, you've been a teacher there, teaching at Mercer currently. Yes. So with your teaching, I love that you're a business person teaching them real life applications. So what are some feedback your students give you after they leave your class or they're going through a project? What are some feedback you're getting from them about your methodology versus past classes they've had? You know what? So I, as I told you, I'm so excited. You all are the first to hear this. Actually, I this year I got the Teaching for Excellence Award at Mercy University. So I, it's a huge honor. Oh, I'm so excited. Mainly because I went to Mercer as an undergrad and I literally could not attend, afford to attend Mercer. I was there on a scholarship. And I sat in the president's office demanding that we get more minority and African-American faculty uh, doing my little sit-in back in 1990-something. And now here I am, the person doing this. So it's exciting. Awesome. I know. But one of the things that one of my students said on the nomination was I learned more in Professor Giles' class in the semester than I learned in my entire um, college career. Because Mm -hmm. I bring in real world stuff. One of the things I have them do is something I call HR in the news, where they do a real world topic that's not HR related and say, how should HR handle this? And Mm -hmm. we tackle everything from should teachers be able to carry guns to sexual harassment in the workplace, everything. And I say real world application, bottom line business. And why are you doing this? What's the number sense that this makes? And they have to be able to apply it. And that's the real world application for HR. 
I love that because I mean, here in Metro Atlanta, we have a ton of HR people. And um, it's always a question of how do you stand out? And this is getting off topic a little bit, but I see a lot of HR people looking for work, um, trying to find a place to get a job. So for those people that are watching this or now we're in the replay, are those the skills that are helping them get a job? Is knowing business their value prop to help get them in? Absolutely. Because here's the reality. You, the company you go to work for is not in the business of hiring people. And if that's all you do, you really aren't a value added. They're in the business of making widgets, offering a service. And if you can't speak to that when at this point in time, so it's really not off topic because at this point in time, if you aren't speaking to how we make money, because think about it right now. There are companies losing millions. They have literal hotels, Marriott's, Hilton's, Hyatt's that are shut down right now. They're losing millions, millions of dollars a day. When mm -hmm. they they're asking, how are you going to help me make or save money? And if they can't see how you can do that, then you are in jeopardy. And so HR professionals, this is how you set yourself apart. You need to be able to demonstrate how you make or save money. And it can't be this esoteric, I make people feel good. Yeah, give me a <laughs> number. <laughs> I need a I, number. Yeah, I see it all the time though. So why do you think that's the, the, the trend of the message that HR pushes? I, I see that constantly. Like. I love my people. I'm the chief people officer, and it's just you know the, the fluffy. Why do you think that's the message being pushed now versus the metrics? It's the message being pushed pushed because we've gotten we've gotten it twisted. What engagement actually means and the why of engagement, and so okay. I. HR professionals have had a difficult time merging the business and the people aspect, not realizing they go together. And so for me, I have a heart. So I, for example, one employer I was with, I said, it's a stressful time in my mind to make the people feel good. I wanted to get massage therapists in there to help everybody just relax a little because we're asking you to do a lot for very, very little. Yeah. My leadership was not going to go for that. Being a business-minded HR professional, I pulled the numbers. Hey, if we do this, we can get these people to work this amount of time more and get this much more productivity out of them, which will save us or make us this much money. I got mm -hmm. them instantly to get massages. Mm -hmm. So I think what's happening is HR hasn't done a good job of tying this heart and soul to what the people that control the money care about. And when we begin to merge the two, we can get more of what we want to get done because we're speaking their language. I love that. I think that's the problem is that also it's the decision makers make decisions like CEOs get paid to make decisions. So when we <laughs> give them the warm fluffy of they're going to feel better. That isn't a decision they can control necessarily because it's just, okay, they feel better. That doesn't impact my business. Right. So did you have that skill set initially to be able to take a warm, fuzzy topic and make it a business issue or was that developed over time? Um, I had it initially, but it's been refined over time because right. I've always been a numbers person. That's another thing I hate to hear HR professionals to say. I hear it all the time. I speak at conferences around the world. I just recently did a keynote at the Washington State Sherm Conference. We did it virtually. And HR professionals say it to me all the time. I don't do numbers. And I would say, well, then you don't do business. Yeah. Because when we think about HRs, we, we know performance evaluations. Well, guess what? The CEO's performance evaluation includes the bottom line. 
Yep. He's evaluated based on how much money the stockholders make. That's his performance eval. And mm-hmm. if you can't help him do well on his eval, then we have a problem because I'm going to lose my job if my performance eval comes back subpar. Right. Well, I think, and I think, I don't know, college pushed that or anything, but it seems like HR, and that's a common trend that I hear that I'm not a numbers person. So I don't know if that's something that people decide in high school, hey, I'm not a numbers person, I'm going to go into HR. I don't know if that's the logic, but you've seen students come through. So is that a trend you see with students? I do. And you know, part of it, it's um, a catch 22 because I think the business world is now starting to really understand the value of HR if it's done well. The problem is before now, they really had hadn't seen it so this was the place for tired executives to go when we didn't necessarily want to fire them wanted to keep them wanted to not get sued and so we went over there to do hr let's just let them lead the hiring and firing and now that they realize oh wait a minute hr is responsible for culture which determines how we keep and attract our top talent hr is responsible for our policies and procedures which determine how much we make lose or win lawsuits HR is responsible for our most valuable assets, which we spend most almost 60% of our operating costs on our people. Wait a minute. They might need to be sitting at the table when we're making the decisions, but for decades, we've reconciled them to not doing this. We've created this population of people we need to do one thing, but have mm-hmm. made something else. Uh, interesting. And I think that's where we're repurposing HR. I mean, it's, it's always supposed to have been that way. But I think right now, when we, you and I talked before, we're kind of repurposing HR from working from home. Mm-hmm. So what are some skills for HR people? Because this is for them, like I said, they're used to people coming in their office and talking about their issues or looking at different items they have to deal with. What are some things that HR should be doing working from home right now to kind of advocate for the people? This is our time. So HR has traditionally been seen as basically the grim reaper. When you see the HR person coming down the hall, it's never good news. It's like, oh, somebody about to get fired. They about to do layoffs. This is our time to now show up differently. So HR should be reaching out to those managers. How can I support you? What resources do you need? Like the questions you asked me, what tools can I be using? Hey, HR should be calling and saying, hey, do you know you can use your Outlook? Hey, do you know we've ordered Zoom for everyone so you can do Zoom conference call? Hey, here's how you can meet with your global team and do these projects online. This is time for HR to show up as something more than the bearer of bad news or the mm-hmm. warm, the woo 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 person. Mm-hmm. So, and they're working from home just like everybody else is. So, what industries, like I think the restaurant industry has definitely hit the hardest with this. But mm-hmm. some industries that never had to work remotely, like, you know, restaurant for example or manufacturing they never had to work remotely so this change is going to be a big deal for them so would you say that communicating the stress level of that to these employees is most viable for managers or just teaching them the tools is the most valuable i think it's there has to be a healthy combination of both because what we don't want to do and this is where hr the warm and fuzzy has to come in and that's where i say we have to merge the two what we don't want to do is inundate people with oh this is bad Ooh, this mm-hmm. is bad. It's getting worse. I don't know, right? We have to have that healthy balance of look, you all, we're planning, we're navigating this, and here is how we can help you through this. Also, with here are some of the tools that we have. So okay. it to be that 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 liaison between the people who are saying it's really bad. What are we going to do? And the people who are sitting at home wondering what the heck are they doing over there planning? They have to be the liaison to bring that information together of real realistically but still hopeful. 
Okay, so that, and that makes you think ahead a little bit because they're forecasting unemployment could be 30% or numbers are saying that on certain outlets. So I'm looking ahead of this like two months from now, or unemployment is 30%, let's say. What are some of the things that business owners and leaders need to be thinking about for the next two months when that unemployment surges? What are some things they should be thinking about to prepare? Because they'll probably work from home still, not as much. Mm-hmm. But what are some strategies they need to have in place getting ready for that? So HR needs to help. This has catapulted us into something we were already on our way to in the corporate world anyway. But HR needs to wrap their head around and be the strategic drivers of this whole force to the gig economy. Because that's really where things are going anyway. And I think this is going to highlight how much of a gig economy we're actually in because corporations are going to step back and say, wait a minute. Basically, what they did at home with project work, we don't have to control the time. And so some of these factors that we're recognizing in this time right now really shows us that a lot of people could be 1099 and not W-2s. Well, Mm -hmm. A could be the driver of this too, while also preserving some of that 30% and saying, hey, yes, they are going to be laid off. Yes, we have to move them forward, but we still need these skills. They may not be where they were before, but how about we turn this into a gig economy and take some of those 30% and turn them into contractors to work on some of the projects that we have going on. So if HR drives this properly, we can really drive down the impact of that 30% because while they may be unemployed, they mm-hmm. can earn some revenue if we turn this into the gig economy it could be and we can almost keep all those people as contractors and still save money on the corporate side okay that's a good solution and that's so you're thinking of that more for like the uh the white collar is kind of where you're thinking about that more or yeah but even some of it things that we thought of because typically when we thought of work from home we thought of it as only these technical jobs or these high level jobs think about how many people are actually coming into your office some of these reception jobs or phone jobs can really be done at the house and those people because we'll have a little bit more control will still be w-2s but a mm-hmm. lot of our people that are higher level that we have as w-2s that can be easily converted into 1099s working on projects and it costs the organization less money than it does now. And I think this is some of the realizations that are going to come out as a result of this. Okay. And then so that, that handles the technical job kind of in the soft skill. What about the manual job where it's the landscaping, the restaurant, the daycare? What are some things you've seen how this is going to impact them in the next two months? Oh, but some of the, this, so it's going to be two two separate areas. Some of those are going to be necessities and they're coming back. So daycares, you all will be fine. <laughs> Here's, let me tell you what parents are learning right now. As a matter of fact, if the teacher unions are smart, they are taking notes right now because when we come back, listen, everybody will be on your side to get that raise you've always wanted. Parents are now realizing, I do not I am not equipped to teach these children. Come and get them. Right. (laughs) Places like that will bounce back. Um, Mm -hmm. But those places like the restaurants, there are going to be some restaurants that just don't come back. Mm -hmm. Um, And they will have to reassess. And if the HR that's working with them now, they should be talking about what's our next step. What is going to be our pivot when we come back? What will we do differently? How, so what do we do with the space that we have? That's where HR can be very strategic. And that reality, look, 
here's what it looks like. We might have to close our doors. Where do we pivot? So we need to spend this time being strategic because some of them may not come back. A lot of the manufacturing things will come back, especially if they pivot. Like we see Ford now is talking about producing ventilators. Right. Well, guess what? When we come back and even now there's this big highlight on the idea that, wait a minute, we're almost at standstill because most of our manufacturing is done in China. Well, what yeah. happened? China can't manufacture. So I think a lot of organizations are very are poised to pivot if they are being strategic and HR can drive that pivot. Wait a minute. These are the people that we have and their expertise can mm-hmm. expertise transition to this as a a, a wardrobe maker can we transition into making face masks for healthcare professionals well that's a good point i think because right now with the, the pivoting and everything things are changing and some businesses are kind of just stuck at home that never ever had the possibility of working from home with mm-hmm. like restaurants so do you think like the, the person that is stuck at home that didn't have to do it before should be finding a way to keep their information out there online right now or be working on a training program to teach like what should they be doing when they're not used to being home at all. Absolutely. So that's one of the things is to think about how do I stay relevant? So mm-hmm. for example, like I was working with one, I'm working with a client now that's in public, for example, firm and they were, Oh my gosh, what do you do? I do celebrities. I, and right now no one's thinking about celebrities. So if they don't make money, I don't make money. And I'm like, well, do you realize how many people out there in the world right now are interested in PR? Do you realize how many experts are currently sitting at home saying, oh my gosh, CNN, WSB TV, the local news need to call me because I have something to share with the people and they just don't know how to do that? Mm-hmm. It. Now, how do you stay relevant? Who is this new audience? Who is a new area you can talk to? Like even with the restaurants, you still have a kitchen and people still need food. Food delivery, if you and uh, another employee, two employees go in and you put it out there on social media that you're making meals and you're doing food delivery, that's a pivot. You have a restaurant. It's a whole market that still needs to be served. So really thinking about how do I stay relevant with what I have and what do people need? What are the gaps that I am able to fill in this moment? And the same is true for us as employeepreneurs working at home. My company has gaps and now is the time for me to shine. There are projects we've been needing to work on while I'm home. I can get those things done. Mm-hmm. And now time. So when they come back in assessing, oh my gosh, I remember Daryl when everybody else was home chilling. He was out here busting out new efficiencies and things we could do differently when we came back to the office and even sent me something about how we could make money when all of this was over. Daryl gets to stay on the W-2 role. <laughs> yeah. And I've been... That's important, I think. I mean, even with me, like with me sharing so much content on LinkedIn, I'm one of the few insurance people that does that. And I kind of wasn't knowing this was going to happen, but I forecast that one day I was going to be the person that they recognize when they think of insurance. I was going to be the person they think of. So I think that's something everybody could take note with this, that while you're at home, keep sharing content. I think there's the content wars right now because <laughs> we're all at home on our devices, on our phones, on our computers. So I do feel like we all need to kind of keep content out there, A, to be positive because we've got enough negative in the media, mm-hmm. but um, B, just to stay relevant. So for those people that are kind of, um, their job was always reclusive, they were never around people, they never prepared to do things like that. Now they're working from home, so they're probably happy that they're in that introvert role. Right. But do you think they need to bump up a little bit of extrovert side of them to help them come back to their W-2 and to stay relevant? 
Absolutely. I think now is a great time because now one of the things that people that typically work from home in an environment where everyone isn't, their biggest concern and complaint is they forget about me. I'm home and no one even thinks about me. And now is your time. We're all in the same. It's a level playing field now. <laughs> Go out. <laughs> I mean, and and put when you talk about posting and staying relevant, put solution focused stuff. Like what you're putting out there are things that you hear people saying here. These are issues, and you're saying here's a solution. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm posting, I'm saying, hey, I do have a podcast called Happily Ever Employed. And on that podcast right now, I'm talking about what should you be doing? How do you stand out as an employeepreneur? Because I tell people you are a multi-billion dollar organization and your career is your product. How do you bump your billion dollar career product up right now? Stay relevant and offer solutions that people are asking about. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a hard. I think that's a kind of easier said than done for some people. Because I mean, for you and myself, we're on social media and doing that all the time. But for the person that was like an accountant or a you know financial analyst, you know, they're they're not usually the most thorough information out there kind of person. So, what do you think is a good starting point for them? Because they're an employeepreneur, like you said. What is the first point for them to kind of break down solutions to share with their audience? The first step is identifying what your expertise is, right? And so, Daryl, I'll use you as as an example. You did an excellent job with this series that you're doing with people. You said, listen, my expertise is benefits and people are asking questions that aren't that. So I'm going to go and identify who those experts are, but you're still giving people content. So identify your expertise and post from that perspective. And when you don't have an expertise, bring in the experts because guess what? If you bring in the experts, you're still seen as the go-to person. People mm-hmm. are still watching you and like, okay, he's the benefits guy, but he's going to have this person on talking about remote work. He's going to have this person on talking about how to leverage your career. He's going to have this person on talk about how to leverage LinkedIn. So go from your expertise and start posting there first and get that comfort level. And then you'll get more comfortable going out there with some other stuff. Perfect. Okay. So are you, are your clients reaching out to you right now? Kind of saying, Hey, help me design a remote workforce or are they just kind of you're, you're reaching out to them preemptively? Um, it's a combination of both. So what's very interesting is some of the clients I consulted with years ago, um and said hey you need to have a plan for this that kind of said now nah, we're okay or now like um so Dietra, um about that plan you talked about two years ago what 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 can we do on that um because like i told you before i i believe that every organization should have a catastrophe plan mm-hmm. the unique thing about this particular situation is that it's impacting a global environment simultaneously but yeah. we have catastrophes every year is seasonal every season the east coast down at the florida area has hurricane season every year we have california wildfires every so often tornado alley gets crazy i mean your area is prone to a catastrophe at any time and so Mm. we always should be thinking that way so having that catastrophe plan is so important so my clients are reaching out now saying that whole catastrophe plan idea we thought it was a joke but yeah let's talk about that so some of them are reaching out others i'm reaching out and saying hey because i know some of my clients and they're just going to the fetal position start panicking I know you haven't reached out, but I also know you. Let's talk. And they're like, oh, thank you for calling me. I was at a loss. So it's a combination. 
Well, I think that's a good thing, though, when, you, when all these, you know, there's a ton of consultants and advisors and stuff on LinkedIn. That's probably something for us working from home is taking that extra effort now to say, let me just call all my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I know financial advisors are big for this when the stock market tanks, they call their clients, mm-hmm. but everybody else kind of doesn't do that. So would you think that's a message for all of us consultants out there is to contact, even if it's just the email, but some kind of contact to say, hey, I know what you're going through right now. Absolutely. And what I think happens in situations like this, I think many consultants get scared because they're, and I've talked to a few and they're like, well, right now everybody's concerned about their money. And the last thing I want to do is call and be asking them to spend more money. And I'm like, well, you have to understand your value. Mm-hmm. What What is the cost of you not calling them? What's the cost of you not helping them in this situation? And the ramifications of you not calling right now could be extensive. My clients right now who I know are scared and don't know what to do, the ramifications of me not calling them could literally mean the end of their business. As Mm -hmm. opposed to getting on the phone with them, being strategic, and giving them that idea, like I told you about the restaurants, giving them that pivot idea and having us walk through strategizing about what we can do right now to come out on the other side of this better. Well, I'm looking forward to that time. because I think a lot of things are going to change as a result of this for the better. Uh, um, this remote workforce thing, I think a lot of people keep that trend for certain industries. But um, this is a finding time, I think, to kind of figure out what was working, what wasn't working. So you're kind of at home, not used to being at home this much. But um, for you, you mentioned earlier how we talked about how this spread so quickly and how easy this was to happen. So what are some measures you think for going forward from an HR standpoint, maybe, that businesses can kind of think about so that they're ready for the next time something like this comes up? You know what's funny is, I, and I'll, I'm going to reveal it here, so someone's probably going to steal it, but that's okay. It's fine. I was looking at some um, tech, tech talk proposals, and someone was asking me to submit a proposal for one. And I said, I wanted to do, I want, I've been wanting to do this for a very long time, but a TED talk on how our work ethic is killing us. Mm. And this was a prime example of that. When this started to hit, we realized how many people actually go to work sick. Like mm-hmm. you had to literally say something that should be common sense and common practice. If you are symptomatic, if you feel like you have a cold, if you don't feel well, don't go to work. But, and there are a lot of common sense things that have come from this, like wash your hands. <laughs> Please. <laughs> right? Stuff like that. But another common sense is so wash your hands. We're like, so Y'all weren't washing y'all's hands before. Why yes, are you yes. on now? So are you telling me y'all nasty people were interacting with me without yes. y'all's hands? But yeah, that- when, I was, when I was talking yesterday, um, the comment came out how a woman, she a celebrity said something that they never washed her hands, like a female celebrity. <laughs> She's like, germs love me and I love germs. Like, that's horrible. So, <laughs> not the interject. That's definitely think people think that way. Like, y'all are just nasty. But... Yeah. So that that's a common sense thing that's come out of this too. But what's also a common sense thing that we realize that we call work ethic. People used to brag about I haven't taken any sick days. So you mean to tell me in five years you haven't been sick at all? Yeah, true. Not at all. And we brag about it and we we carry it as a badge of honor. I like we one of the biggest times that we we uh herald Michael Jordan was the time that he played the NBA flu. Uh, and yep. like that's a sign of a champion and <laughs> coming into work sick 
We as leaders, as HR professionals, we really have to drive this home. And one day COVID will be over and we won't be thinking about the coronavirus. But guess what? If you come to work with the cold, now the whole office has a cold. We all sick. If you come with the flu, we all now have the flu. And so this work ethic and this harrowing of the heroes that don't take sick leave is ridiculous. We have to mm-hmm. It. So that is the first thing I would say. Let's stop allowing our work ethic because literally it is killing us. So many people went to work symptomatic and spread this stuff in the workplace. Yeah, that makes sense. Why, but why do you think it's so people focus on that but not productivity? Because the first thing earlier in the conversation was calendar. You know, mm-hmm. get, get, get good with your time. So it's funny that people will hold on to, I don't miss any sick days, but they might only be 40% effective at their work because they're just wasting time on the computer and not getting stuff done. So why do you think that's the focus? Oh my God. So one of the things I said, and I, I do a, another separate thing with a group called Time On, Time Off and teaching people how to be productive during this time. And one of the things I said as a key for those people who will stand out when it's when this is over as the people who we're going to really look at continue to be the W-2s is they're being productive and not busy. Mm-hmm. One of the things this is going to reveal to a lot of corporations, a lot of leaders, is a lot of y'all was just in the office looking busy. You were yeah. not doing a thing. And now, because you're not in the office, I can't stand over you. I really don't know how many hours you're working. I am really now gauging productivity. What are you producing? What are you putting out? And mm-hmm. one of the things we're going to realize is just because you've been working eight hours does not mean you've been doing eight hours of work. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing now, be being productive, knowing, and, and that's one of the biggest issues with those people who are having to handle work from home for the first time. They've never had to really hone in on what productivity meant or looked like. And they don't have a real measure other than the boss coming by and saying, hey, I see you. That was productive. That meant I'm doing my job. Now the boss can't do that. And so you're like, ooh. How do I demonstrate my value? What should I be doing? How do I contribute here? What is my worth? What is my value to this organization? So really honing in on what does it take to be productive? What should I be producing as a person in my position? I think that's super important. I've been following the the book, The One Thing. Um, Yeah, I talk about that book all the time. You got to read it probably five times for it to actually sink in. But um, I'm on my agents, I'm like, hey, read the book every time I'm just reading. So that, that's something that for me, I was one of those people. I was the first one in the office, the last one out. And for a while it was productive, but sometimes it was just I was there. So mm-hmm. this illusion of work ethic is definitely on a resume. You see it all the time. Strong work ethic. I'll beat everybody out in work ethic. But um, changing that narrative, we're working from home. So would you say they're looking at like output versus minutes? Like, What do you think is the measure for these people that have never had to do this? They should be looking at to help them see am I productive. Absolutely. So every right now, that is all they can look at. Unless they have the big brother thing on the thing where they can show how many minutes you're logged in. But right now, really, all they have is output. And so that's what they're looking at. And here's the deal. Now that you're home, a lot of your work has been diminished. So things that you would have done running around in the office, you don't do. So one way to uh, to be more productive is to look at ways that you can be efficient. 
Look at mm. projects that you, because if, if you're in any, if you've been in any company, there is a list of projects that you all want to get to and haven't had time. This is yeah. a good time for you to take the initiative and start working on some of those projects. Imagine being the person at home who didn't have to be told, hey, we've been meaning to research applicant tracking systems. So HR, we've been meaning to research applicant tracking systems because the one we have has really exploded in cost. When we got it, it was inexpensive. Now it's costing us 50, 60, $70,000 a year. And you're at the one at home saying, you know what? Hey, boss, we've been meaning to do this. I just researched all of these. I've gotten five quotes and when we get back here's something we can look at here are the benefits i've done a spreadsheet imagine what that looks like to your leadership or productivity when you come back and saying we come back we can hit the ground running and that can already save us fifteen thousand dollars annually based on what i did at home being productive that's a super valuable tip i think because that's that's something that people forget about they're like oh it's vacation time <laughs> i'm just at home um, but I love that you have an actionable step to the things you just wanted to get to. So I want to be respectful of your time. I know you have other things you get going on right now. Um, share with the people kind of the you know project you're working on, how they can follow you, all that good stuff. Absolutely. You can follow me on LinkedIn, of course, at Detra Giles. Um, also on Instagram at Detra U Giles. That's D-E-T-H-R-A-U-G-I-L-E-S. And you can also find me at DetraGiles.com. Everything is Detra Giles. Um, and I'm excited to hear from you all. If you have questions about this stuff, do not hesitate to reach out to me because this is my area of expertise. I love doing it. As you can tell, I get really passionate about it. So shoot me a LinkedIn message. Connect with me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to helping you all through this because we'll get through this, but we have to get through it together. So thank you, Daryl, for pulling together these things because they're so beneficial to people who have no clue where to go or who to call. Yeah, and I'm also sure that sort of the, the uh, employeepreneur, share that content real quick so they know what that's about so they can follow it. Absolutely. So the employeepreneur concept is like I told you before, I tell everyone you are a billion dollar organization and your career is your product. So I really teach people how to manage their career like the business that it is. You should absolutely be the CEO of your career. And if you are the CEO of your career right now is your time. Don't think of your boss and your coworkers or your peers as those people at the company. They are your clients. They are your clients that will help you advance and move your career and if you think about them as a client you will be clearly able to connect what productivity looks like and so if you follow me i talk about the employeepreneur concept and how to manage your career and be the ceo of your career like the business the billion dollar business that it is i love that concept and uh dj mac just gave a comment great information so thanks dj mac thank you I figure everybody's eating right now, listening and not commenting, so that's okay. It's my first time in the lunchtime one. But um, thank you, folks. We got another one later on today. And um, I'm trying to put together content like this to kind of keep people engaged because at this time, you're at home, like we said. So HR people, start planning, start getting prepared. This is going to be a lot better once everything's settled. I think once this virus passes, things will be better than they were before because we had a lot more time to think. And uh, we will stop working when we're sick because Ether told us to. <laughs> absolutely don't do it just don't do it all right folks well thank you for joining us we'll catch you next time the way of life group is an insurance firm dedicated to helping small businesses get the resources they need to grow 
which includes employee benefits for any budget. Please check us out on LinkedIn for more information.